Hello, and welcome back to the Legends Podcast with me, Sarah Faruya of SF Creative and Sarah Faruya Coaching, where I am rising like a phoenix from the ashes after a one-year break to season seven, where our theme is legends of reinvention, stories of renaissance, and the phoenix rising from the fire. I believe there are many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories. So let's get into these creative musings from Sarah and her guests. Enjoy. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to this, the Legends podcast and its creative musings week. If you already listened to a previous version of this, I found it too long and chaotic on reading, uh, on listening to it again. And so I decided to re-record. So this is me re-recording my love letter to my coaches. This is my love letter to coaching and to my coaches. So I suppose my relationship with coaching goes back to when I was studying psychology back in the 90s. We studied Myers-Briggs and we studied all the iterations of that that had come before. Um, the way that people had been trying to kind of put into boxes people's personalities, you know, introversion, extroversion uh, and so on. And so that was my kind of introduction to really looking at the psychometric side of people. And I still use psychometrics in my coaching practice today. So that was the kind of where the seeds were sown there. Then. In 2005, I started working for a corporate training company, and that was really my entry into coaching proper. Now, my first love letter will be to a woman called Melissa Church, now Melissa Jeeke. She was a really fantastic HR professional. She was brave. She was bold. She was young. She was ambitious. She's got a big job now with a big multinational, and she was just a real breath of fresh air in my life. I don't think I'd really met anybody like her before. She was so committed and yeah, ambitious and creative and focused and courageous. And she just really brought to this corporate training company, which our main goal was to help the Japanese business people to be able to communicate better with their uh, English speaking counterparts or in environments where um, English was the common language. So Asia Pacific, so anywhere where there was different languages in play and that everybody had to communicate in English, how they could have more influence and impact and better communicate and do business in English. Our key client there was Microsoft and I worked with all different levels of the business. Um, they were our key client, not our only client. I worked with all kinds of different organizations through there. And they had a coaching style. Mel, Melissa, she introduced a coaching style and encouraged us all to use a coaching style in that organization. And that is where I got bitten by the coaching bug. So every Friday afternoon, we would have training sessions. They were brilliant. I loved them. And I learned how to coach and how it was different from teaching or mentoring or training or facilitation and so on. And I really cut my teeth on it, on, on it there, on coaching. Um, I entered in there as a consultant. I went on to be the senior consultant and then I joined the business. 
And it's where I really developed my love for coaching. There were other people in there who were coaches and who got trained at the same time. And it was just a really, I, and there were other people who were working there who are now coaches, uh, working coaches who do their full-time business as coaches. And this is what, almost 20 years ago, like 19 years ago. And I just remember a penny really dropping, a, a light coming on for me at that time. And it's when I really found my way into like training was fine. Teaching was fine. Um, helping people to find their way into their conversations with their English speaking counterparts or in those, you know, business situations where they needed to use English was fine. But what really got me was that kind of coaching and noticing and observing people in that environment and using the coaching style, which I eventually started transitioning pretty much everything I did over into at that time. And I started studying and buying books and I've got my first book still on my, uh, on my bookshelf here. So we've got the portable coach, <laughs> which is uh, a really great uh, tome. And I've got also business coaching. So the original books that I bought to support my journey at that time, um, I didn't do any qualifications while I was there. I tell a lie. I did mind mapping. I learned my mind mapping qualification. And in fact, when I was very first started coaching on the side, um, outside of that role, I uh, my first offerings were to the Women of Few for Empowering Women, a professional networking organization here in Japan. And I would offer them a two hour uh, mind mapping session, which was coaching. So we'd map out all the things they were doing, all the things they wanted to do. And then I would coach around it and identify what they wanted to do next and how they wanted to go about it and what they did want to do, what they didn't want to do. And they had this beautiful mind map to take away at the end of it. Wow. I'd forgotten about that. I hope I'm not still paying for the mind mapping software. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I was paying for mind mapping software back then. Oh, how interesting. I'll have to check. I'm not still have don't still have a subscription to that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I don't. I loved it. It was great. Wow, I should bring mind mapping back. I used to do mind mapping workshops at um Microsoft as well. It was great. And then I'd go around the various uh departments and find their big mind maps on the wall that they'd done together after being at my workshops. Brilliant. What a thrill. So yeah, that's where I really was introduced to um, coaching. And my love letter goes to that iteration of that organization where there was just the the leadership team there were were great. The chat show was really creative and allowed us all to get on with things and was like, yeah, I cut my teeth on coaching there and also got to see somebody who really took um, coaching action at an incredible pace with terrific ambition and confidence and kind of opened my eyes to a different way to be a woman in the world. She was she was great. So my first love letter goes to Melissa Jiki and for her incredible presence and how she incorporated coaching into our business there. Now, I mentioned few for empowering women around the same time I was I was getting itchy feet, but I was also um, 
singing in choir. So I was in something called the British Embassy Choir. So this will lead to my next love letter to my next coach. All right. So my next coach I found via the British Embassy Choir, another person who's a coach, Vendela Elson. She gave me a flyer for what was called a career strategy seminar through an organization called Few for Empowering Women in Japan. Every year or every two years, sorry, they had this thing called the Career Strategy Seminar where they had panels of women speaking, um, people who had found success or were on their way to success. There was workshops and Wendela was running one of these workshops on be becoming a consultant. She worked for one of the big five uh, consulting companies as their kind of uh, in-house HR partner with some coaching as well. And I went to this and I don't know, maybe it was 2008. Incidentally, I met some of my very, very closest friends there. Laurie Henderson, Julia Maeda, um, Sarah Jean Rosito, to name a few. I also met other people in there who gave, became contacts, who I worked with, who became collaborators, who became clients. It was a phenomenal event a really phenomenal event. There was somebody selling jewelry. There was people selling all kinds of things. It was like there was a little marketplace. It was it was a place which was just rich with um, potent magic and energy. It was brilliant. But the person who was hosting and emceeing this event was a woman called Anne Good. Some of you may be familiar with her. And she was one of Tokyo's leading coaches at the time. And I can just remember watching her talking about her coaching and going to these events, going to these seminars and speeches, and then watching her hosting this panel of people. And I just became utterly transfixed by all these people. I had ideas pinging off. I had, um, at 2000, 2008, I was beginning to be getting itchy feet and wanted to move on and do something else. And I had already been kind of bitten by the coaching bug by that point. And so, yes, I was introduced to this woman and good and she was lovely and she was called a coach and I followed up. And then I started to go to these meetings, few for empowering women meetings. And so I, on my small salary that I had at the mo at that time, decided to invest in coaching because I knew that I wanted to make my next move. I'd already made one move um, in 2005 when I'd started working for this corporate training company and realized I wanted to work with adults all the time. And I wanted to, I didn't want to be a teacher. I wanted to be a consultant and a coach. And I transitioned 2005, 19 years ago. And that, that transition was a, a, an absolute game changer then. But by 2008, I realized that I wanted more for myself. As I said, I'd met these very ambitious and you know, talented women. And then at this event, I'd met more. And so I went clutching my whatever it was, 100,000 yen for my four sessions with Anne, which felt like a huge amount of money at the time. It was a really big investment, but I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to get coached. I probably had an inkling that I wanted to become a coach, but not so much at the time. And I can remember she she lived in an apartment that overlooked Tokyo Tower. And I can remember 
going up to her apartment. She coached out of her living room in person. This was like before people were all doing Skype and stuff, probably around 2009. And paid her in cash four sessions I would go before work so I'd go to her apartment at like 8 a.m before my 10 o'clock start at work on the other side of town I was really committed and really into it and I would just go and I, my eyes were open so wide she did my Myers-Briggs with me my MBTI I got my result from Matt. We worked around who I am and she told me the strengths and the weaknesses that I had there. And I would describe my situation to her. And I was a little bit unhappy with the particular workplace I was at at that time. By that point, I had uh, transitioned into a new role and um, I just wasn't getting what I wanted from there. The financial crash had happened. Everything had changed. The role that I was hired for had um, completely changed radically. I was, the the business had changed radically. We'd lost clients uh, just overnight. And again, I used coaching to get me out of that too, because that was really shocking. Um, having to, to completely revert my role back to something that it was before or um, not progressing because we had to just save the business at that point. So I went to Angud and this is my love letter to Angud. And your killer insights for me were number one, for that particular workplace I was working at at the time, I described to her all the things that were happening there and why I was unhappy. And I'd already kind of got into this um, radical responsibility mindset. Maybe somebody else had kind of recommended a book to me and I was into radical responsibility and I was trying to not blame, but I was also complaining, which is a very important part of coaching. And I realized that the, you know, we have to find out what the dream behind the complaint is and we have to vent. We have to allow people to vent. If we try and move them out of venting too quickly, then it's pretty useless. If you try let them vent and complain for too long, it's just kind of ruminating. You have to have this very, very clever timing. And she did. And she listened to me and she listened to me and listened to me. And then one day she just said to me, Sarah. Oh, no, because she was asking me all these questions, you know, as you do as a coach, like, what can you do? And I would say, I've tried that. Is there something else you can do? I've tried that. And then this happened. What else can you do? This is happening and this is happening kind of thing. So I was kind of describing this stuff to her that was happening at the time. I don't remember the details. It's so long ago now. And she just said, okay, you can stop. You've just described to me a dysfunctional workplace. The relief, and this is the power of coaching, is that when a coach names something without blame, without shame, completely independently from you, when the coach describes something to you like that and names it, the relief is remarkable. I had a terrific amount of relief. Now, I didn't leave that organization until three or four years later. So it's also not that the coach is going to, the coach will never say to you, you need to get out of that organization or they might say that. Um, they may offer that to you um, as a, as a, as some way to gain traction. However, that's what she just named it. You are working in a dysfunctional workplace. What you just described to me is a dysfunctional workplace. And she was right. And I was, um, yeah, I was vulnerable there. And so I 
I just did my best. Now that I knew that, I was able to go in with fresh eyes. So I wasn't always trying to make things better or trying to make myself better. I just knew who I was in there. And I knew that I was working towards something and building in the background and, and trying to accrue as much um, network and as much experience as I could to get to a tipping point where I felt confident enough to leave my lovely, delicious monthly salary at the door. And um, I'd started to realize at that point that going out on my own was what I wanted to do. Um, and I will also, so that was one round. I think I did two rounds at that point. So I was investing quite fiercely in myself at that time for, you know, somebody who was, you know, much younger and, um, you know, not on a terrifically enormous salary. And then I hired her again. So I had another coach in between who I will talk about after this. And then I hired her again as I was, I'd already left my job by this point, but I became, <laughs> by hook or by crook, I went to the CSS, the Career Strategy Seminar in 2008. Fast forward to 2012, and I was the president of that organization. Like, that's just mind boggling to me as well. So I went in as this kind of uh, underconfident, underqualified um in, insecure <laughs> young lady in her 30s um, who was a bit lost, wanted to find her way into a better career and then found my way into being the president of the organization. Like literally I was looking around me thinking, oh my God, these women are amazing. I hope that I can be like them in 10 years. <laughs> and then I became the president. That's the power of a great network and brilliant networking organization that will uplift you and look after you and its members and that's what it did so fast forward to 2012 I've been the president or maybe it was 2013 yes it was it was 2013 so 2011 2012 2013 I've been the president and I'd kind of realized that I and I'd left my I'd left my job I was a coach and I knew what was happening for me, but I knew that I needed a professional to get involved. And I need, I knew the kind of professional I wanted to be involved. So I had another coach who was dealing with other things, but I had to make this decision about whether or not to continue as the president of few because the presidency is on a three-year cycle. So I was about to enter my third year. My board had said to me, most of my board had said to me, if you stay on, we'll stay on. If you leave, we'll leave. Um, and this wasn't because I was so fantastic. It was just because we were such a great entity together um, and they didn't want to learn a new um, president because you have to learn a new president and there'll all be a new, a, a new, a whole new team. And so I had this kind of pressure on me. I was in two minds. And basically what I said to my coach, what I said to Anne was, I don't see my way into my third year. So I knew exactly what I needed to do in year one, which was help the organization to recover following uh, the earthquake and following the um, financial crisis. We were really struggling as an organization. We had very few members. So we knew we had to set modest goals to keep the organization going and just try and look after our members the very best we could and hope they would attract more members. We did that. 
Year one, we reached our goal of maintenance. Year two, we decided to try for growth. Again, I had an incredibly smart um, team of people. We'd had great retreats to kick us off. I'd hired in a couple of systems coaches who took us through a retreat and we set our goals and we set them modestly. And the second year we set slightly more ambitious goals. But again, I always said to them, we're a volunteer organization, guys. So you need to make sure you're doing what you can, treating it like a professional job, but also making sure that you get something out of it as well. I was a coach by this point, so I knew how to look after people. <laughs> really enjoyed that leadership role so much and I loved it. But by year three, we were in a healthy situation. We were attracting really great um, people and but I couldn't see my way into what kind of president I would be in that kind of maintenance level. And so I was talking to Anne about it. And, you know, again, she was helping me to work it all out. And eventually I got to the point where I said, I just have a lot of leadership energy. I have a lot of leadership energy and where's, and I love it. I love being the leader. I can't find my way into this third year of the role. It just doesn't, it doesn't excite me, but it also, I don't know how I'm going to serve the organization, which is essentially why I'm there. And, but I've got all this leadership energy. And she said to me, Sarah, you've just started your own business. Put that leadership energy into your own business. Oh, and again, what an absolute professional, what a pro. And that is the power of coaching. They see things, your coach will see things you don't see. So this is my love letter to Anne Good. Thank you. You enhanced my life. Remarkably so. All right. And then I resigned. And a whole new fresh board came in and it was and and, and it continued. These organizations always continue. And, you know, there'll always be people going, oh, you were the best or oh, you were the worst behind your back. Who cares? It's fantastic. So <laughs> people are so weird. All right. Except me, obviously. So 2008, I went to the career strategy seminar. 2010, I was invited to be on the committee of the Career Strategy Seminar. And at that, which I was just blown away by as well, I was like, who, me? <laughs> you know, bearing in mind, I was kind of unhappy in my job. Um, Anne had identified that it was maybe a dysfunctional workplace. And so I went to the Career Strategy Seminar again. And the MC was a woman called Catherine North. She went by a different name at that time. And she was this kind of charismatic, enigmatic coach. And she was a Martha Beck coach. And I'm actually going to do a massive love letter right now to Martha Beck as well. She's, I follow her all the time. She is the, and she's the absolute kind of beacon of what I call in my business, the science, the psychology and the spirit or the soul or the story. She's, she's all that. You know, she's got a psychology, uh, no, sociology uh, PhD from Harvard. And, um, but she's also this kind of like mad mystic who believes in like energy and all this kind of stuff. And also she has a terrific amount of psychological and scientific rigor. And um, I really do run my business in the same way as well. I suspect I'll probably become a Martha Beck coach at some time in the future, but we'll... We'll just keep that on hold for now. Actually, I kind of wish I'd done that already. I don't know why I'm dragging my heels over this stuff. Oh, I'm self-coaching. How fabulous. So my love letter to Martha Beck 
thank you for bestowing your amazing coaches on the world. Um, they're great. Your approach is fabulous. So Catherine North, Catherine North is another person who altered the course of my life and enhanced it tremendously. Um, she now lives in Canada with her husband and her five kids. Um, but at that time she was, a had one kid and she was in, uh, with a different partner and she was the, um, MC and she ran a workshop that I went to. I can't even remember what the workshop was about, but I do remember watching her and thinking, wow, what's this about? And then she used to go to the business, small business salon at few. And I was a regular at few for empowering women at that time as well. So I got to kind of know her a bit better through that. And she had amazing boundaries. That's what I remember. I didn't have any names for that at the time, name for that at the time. I can remember being on the train and some drunk old white dude coming up to us and starting to kind of talk to us on the train. And of course, me being like little people pleaser, Sarah at the time was like, oh, hello. And being really polite and making sure that, you know, I didn't leak out any uh, ill manners or something like that. And she was just like, boo, no not talking to you no just literally turned away from and I was like whoa this woman has got it going on she made these beautiful postcards which she since said that were too expensive and she shouldn't have done invested all that in her in her business but instead of having business cards she had these gorgeous thick kind of linen thick linen paper um postcards with these black and white photos of elephants on them she'd been inspired by a beautiful art book she, she, that she owned or had seen or something um but i can tell you catherine north this is my love letter to you if you're listening to this i loved the postcards they made me want to know more and the investments that i made in you more than paid for the postcards <laughs> so the first time round she did something called the queen sweep it was called the clean sweep at the time but that name was already taken and um she's somebody who honors ip which i appreciate as well so i did the queen sweep which was like a six-week program there was i don't know about 10 of us going through it including like diane who was my previous um guest on the podcast just trying to think if there was anybody else who's been a guest on the podcast on it maybe not uh so diane um, was on it was in that group and a number of other people I think Deanne introduced me to somebody called Danielle Laporte she's gone a bit off the rails now but I used to love her stuff like just listening I listened like obsessively to her stuff in 2009 10 11 12 really helped me at the time really helped me she had amazing like business with soul stuff she did this thing called the desire map she had these things called the fire starter sessions and it was all about kind of um running a small business with with soul and moxie and um focusing on yourself and other people and being on being of service but also being joyful with it it was just great it was such a potent time it really was a potent time um maybe the timing was exactly right for me and i hope that younger people are going through that as well i'm waiting for my next potency to come through <laughs> I suppose that is potency, isn't it? Anyway, Catherine North. So I went through that. Then she offered something else called the Royal Keep. So it was the Queen Sweep, then the Royal Keep, then the Flying Leap, which was a six-month program. 
um, where you did you had a big project that you wanted to do. Maybe mine was leaving my job. And then we had something called the Year of Magic, which was a one year program, which was just brilliant. And I invested thousands of dollars in that. And it was so worth it because I made some of my best friends, also Martha Beck coaches and other coaches in there. And in, in each of those programs, so for about three years running, I was just constantly in Catherine's um, fold. And um, there was like the Queen Sweep Secret Society. Um, I paid for the upgraded version of the Queen Sweep as well. It was just, it was really magical. Oh, and there was something called Practical Magic for Secret Mystics. So it's like um, coaching for people who are really like sensitive and tuned into things that are happening in between everything else. I might revisit that actually phone calls um i mean before even before like facebook really took off we didn't have it there was no groups in facebook at the time it was just it was when we used to poke people <laughs> there was no instagram we we did all our groups on something called posterous which was just a dedicated like group program thing group place where group programs to exist i absolutely loved it um and then that closed down obviously in the wake of Facebook getting that kind of um, functionality in their in their suite and Catherine I mean there's so many things I could say about what Catherine gave to me but like there's so so many insights but the things aren't always what they are and using your body as your compass like really listening to your body um, understanding the spirit side of things but also not being a shady new age um yeah not being a shady new age exploiter not being uh uh plugged into things like the secret or conspiracy theories and things like that but at the same time acknowledging the presence of spirit um and spiritual things and everything that happens in between things um there was just so many oh there was some really simple insights as well from the queen sweep things like when I think this was the Royal Keep, if I remember rightly, we did our filing system. And, you know, me being ADHD, a filing system is a mystery, right? You want to, you start going, oh, I should, I should have everything color coded. So it should be color coded and coded by this and coded by that. And she said, no, alphabetical order, nothing else. Ah, it was such a relief. That's I think that's the key thing that coaches do is they provide you with a sense of relief and that relief is felt inside your body. That's where I feel it. And that's when I know a coach has really hit on something is when something releases inside me, your body compass gives you a an indication of what's happening. So that was a really practical science edged thing where it was like, just only file on alphabetical order so it's brilliant if i need to go to my bank depending on which bank it is if it's hsbc i go to h it's not b for bank and then those two things inside some kind of nested system or if it's mufj i go to m but that could also be sitting next to um coaching or finances or passport or something like that. So, you know, it, it was very, very simple. I have, I still use that filing system to this date, except I have clients and other, that's it. So I have current clients, 
and then other stuff all goes in the same place so I might have like old coaching programs or old proposals sitting next to yeah my passport or my deed poll or something like that or my marriage certificate or my <laughs> my university certificate or something like that my degree certificate Catherine North this is my um love letter to you you altered the course of my life I think about coming back to you all the time all right Next one is another Martha Beck coach who I met on the Royal Keep with Catherine North. So another shout out to Catherine. Thank you. Max Daniels, this is my love letter to you. Max Daniels is basically a binge eating coach, but she's also in other iterations of her life being a, just a regular coach and a meditation coach and somebody who does kind of shamanic journey kind of work, but she's not somebody who likes to kind of uh appropriate or say that I think I think that that's what she said to me anyway something like that but she does do that kind of that kind of journey work I should say and what did I take away from her well when I was in New York in 2015 we were in the same time zone and I wanted something a bit different I wanted to be coached in a different way god you know what I'm always just wanting to be coached aren't I I'll tell you what <laughs> for us sensitive folk we just need to be constantly being coached by people to keep us together and to keep us on track otherwise we fall off so max amazing she did a journey before and then we got on the phone and my takeaway from that was she said she'd seen some kind of i love things like this some kind of um mesh blue necklace or something like that it was kind of like a web i think that's what she described it as a web and and to just keep my eye out for it and then lo and behold later on in the year or earlier I can't remember what it was but Zipporah Salomon the amazing model and style sensei and um uh, art of dressing woman who's published a book called the art of dressing with Zipporah Salomon she was also one featured in the film advanced style and the book advanced style she came over to Japan I went to her workshop and somebody there was selling these kind of like mesh necklaces. And I just thought, oh, that's a nice little, what we call in systems coaching, a little quantum flirt or a little universal wink. I don't know what, I don't need to make it mean anything, but what Gretchen and I always say is let it be huge. So why not? Um, but I'll keep my eye out for that as well. All right. So my next one is another person who I met through Catherine North, Alicia Broda. Now, she's not a Martha Beck coach. She did a different style of coaching. And I sincerely remembered speaking to her when I was in Hong Kong. I think I had four or six sessions with her. It was very much practical stuff, in-betweeny kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I remember speaking to her in Hong Kong and I think at that time I was running a women's leadership program yeah that's right I was running a women's leadership program and it was this big massive women's leadership program that was the program director I was kind of like the assistant facilitator and then the program director resigned and I was the only person who had all access to all the kind of tacit knowledge that this person took with me and they resigned after it was the first session, so it was month one, I think, uh, of a six-month journey. 
And I suddenly found myself in the kind of director role. <laughs> uh, that was a really accelerated journey for me of like uh, leadership and coaching. Like I had to take on all the executive coaching, which is a baptism of fire, which I, and I'm still working with one of those people actually 10 years later. And yeah, it was just brilliant. And um, so I, I'm pretty sure that when I was working with Alicia, I was talking about that because I was for the same company I was running that leadership program through. Uh, I was I went and did a, a delivery for one of the finance finance companies over there. And yeah, that was I really remember being in this hotel room and talking to this to Alicia and talking through all this stuff. And the stuff that I took from Alicia was just very practical stuff. She was very practical, straightforward coach. And this is what I like. I like having a kind of buffet of coaches. So even though I was working with Catherine North during the time that I engaged Anne Good again at the same time. So I had two coaches going at the same time, but Anne was for a very specific thing, right? To make that very specific decision. Whereas with Catherine, it was it was more kind of eclectic stuff work that I was doing with her. And I didn't want to use my sessions to 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 talk about that. I wanted to do more kind of ethereal work with her, if you like, more magical work, more deeper conversations. Not to say that I wouldn't have deep conversations with Anne, but she's just a different kind of coach. So that kind of very straightforward decision making was much more um, what I wanted to discuss with Anne. So I invested on the side. <laughs> I was having an affair and was my coaching mistress at that point. So this is my love letter to my coaching mistress. <laughs> but Alicia was great. Yeah, really practical stuff, really kind and caring and straightforward. And we'd been through coaching with Catherine together. So we both understood the value of coaching. We'd both been coached. We're both really invested. We had a very, very high context. And in those groups that we were in, I was just looking back on the group chats and stuff, which is still in my email from all those years ago. And we got really deep. Like the chats were really deep, really, really um, respectful of one another, just iterating constantly, constantly witnessing each other, constantly offering things to one another. It was just brilliant. So Alicia, this is my love letter to you. Thank you for stewarding me and shepherding me through that really interesting, challenging time where I had to suddenly take on uh, this uh, leadership role that I was just thrown in as a baptism of fire amazing um incidentally max daniels and alicia broder i met with them in boston back in 2012 um when my friend was uh, living in boston and i was staying with them we met up near the uh, university there and had some drinks together and it was glorious and wonderful. And we called our other friend, Stacy, who had also been in these coaching programs with us and just had such a lovely time. You know, you're a bit like sisters when you go through stuff, uh, when you go through that kind of thing together. And especially back then when it was a lot less, you know, 15, 14, 15 years ago, it was all very fresh. Now you can't throw a stone without finding a coaching group. Hello, my FNJ program, for example. <laughs> But yeah, it was brilliant. All right. Next up is another Martha Beck coach, Sarah Seidelman. I'm just trying to think. 
between these two places, I must have been coaching with somebody. Oh, I know what I was doing. I was studying for my own coaching program. So this is a love letter to all the systems coaches out there. Um, I started in February 2018. So that's six years ago. So it was like three years after. Uh, I can't have gone three years without a coach. I literally can't have gone three years without a coach. So I'm just wondering what was happening in the meantime. Or maybe I know what I was doing. I know what I was doing in the meantime. So this must be a love letter to all the organizations I work for. So I was working for Impact International, Canning, and um, I was qualified, getting qualified with Lumina. So what I was doing then was I was getting qualified in things, qualified in psychometrics. I was ramping up um, on becoming a trainer and facilitator for big corporate training companies. So that's how I was kind of getting my fix. I was in the kind of doing learning but also when you're going through things like that you're getting coached at the same time and you have to coach other people in order to get your certifications for these things um i also became certified in something called savile i also got certified in something called insights discovery and lumina so i became certified in three different psychometrics and then i jumped onto the systems coaching and so then again, you have to keep coaching and you're being coached constantly. So I was flying in and out of Singapore to do that. It was just in person at the time. They weren't doing online until 2020. And that was great. So big shout out to all the facilitators in there, especially the ones who were really encouraging. Um, yeah, there were some people who were really encouraging in there. And I've since become really... Um, close to the faculty because I do quite a lot of observation for them, not observation, but um, uh, assistant facilitation for them now, because uh, right now I don't want to be too active because I've just had a quite hard couple of years. I just wanted to kind of take it easy. And one way to do that was to be an assistant facilitator for them. Uh, yeah. So support staff for them while they're running their programs. So yeah, Sarah Seidelman, I took her on in 2020. Sarah is a very kind of, she's got quite high profile, famous master coach from Arthur Beck. She also does shamanic journey kind of work. She's authored, I think, four books now. She has a card deck. She has an app called Beasties, which is a terrific amount of fun. Um, she does all kinds of things. Um, she, she runs art, um, art classes or no art oh I can't remember what you call it like, um 30 day program so last year I paid to join a 30 day no not 30 day 100 day program where every day we had to uh, post something to Facebook in the close group every single day we had to make something on a theme and it's just great like it's really great and um so I really I just thought I really wanted some kind of spiritual, interesting, spiritual, but also she's an MD. So she was actually a qualified doctor. So I wanted somebody with that kind of scientific rigor behind them as well, but who was also have that kind of spiritual bent. And I'd always been interested in working with her. And I had a particularly good year that year and I decided to invest. And um, yeah, so through Sarah, she would take me on these drumming journeys and I just found the drumming, <laughs> the drumming um, um, file in Dropbox, the uh, audio file in Dropbox of that. And she would get me to go on these journeys. And, you know, one of the things that she 
that are found on these journeys. You have to kind of drop into the underworld. I don't understand all this stuff very well, but I'll I'll try anything once, you know. And then, and I met my little spirit, not spirit animal. That's a bit cheesy, isn't it? But like, I met a little uh, animal guide down there, the mole, which is a bit on the nose, isn't it? If you're going down, but that's just where I was. I wasn't going to be kind of like, whoa, I've met a whale or something like that. Um, I just went right into kind of super logical and there was a there was a wee mole I was like is it the earth one that he's about to eat or she's about to eat or is it a mole and it was a mole and um so my mole became my little fun guide and you know I really enjoy following these kinds of little it's like having a little adventure within your life I think and so I told my friend oh you know um, I've got another little kind of guide and it's a mole and uh, she was like oh my daughter used to love a book called Mogura Bus. Mogura is Japanese word for mole and this was about a little mole who has a bus that goes under it goes uh, from from place to place underground on this little bus and they kind of um the bus gets held up because there's a root that's coming down of a bamboo shoot and all this kind of really magical, wonderful fairy tale stuff. And I bought that book, uh, multiple copies and gave it to friends. And it was just really fun. I learned a lot about moles because I just Googled them and went and had a look at their, you know, their, their sets and their mounds and all that kind of stuff. Um, and she also, when I was working with her, reminded me of the third entity. So, um, in talking about relationships, that third entity that exists between two people, me, you and our relationship, me, my husband and our marriage and that kind of thing. So it's just great, you know, um, to be reminded of that, which is also a massive part of um, systems coaching is working with the third entity. And I use it all the time now to be with my uh, when I'm doing uh, pair coaching and couples coaching. And always between me and the person who's in front of me, I used it very, very, very vividly last week um, when somebody had a massive problem, really intense problem. And I just said, that's really intense. I'm going to allow that to sit in the space between us. And I could literally see it in the space between us, you know, like it almost feels like the predator. Have you ever seen the film, The Predator? You can just about see it kind of moving around in the background a little bit. And uh, it was a bit like that. And then suddenly, once I said that, I didn't try to to coach or help. Her. I just said, we're just going to have to let that sit in the space between us. So I offered it up to the third entity. And suddenly she got really, really, really solutions focused. It was amazing. And I was like, wow, this stuff really works. Who knew that people who study this for years and years and years and years, writing paper after paper, being corrected and corrected and corrected and peer reviewed and peer reviewed and peer reviewed and reading, 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 reading all the research that's done before might have an idea that actually works. Hmm. So this is my love letter to Sarah Seidelman. I will no doubt be working with you again through one of your uh, art programs or something like that. And uh, yeah, it was it was good fun doing all that drumming stuff. You could have let me vent a bit more, though. You did sometimes try and get me into the underworld too fast for my liking. <laughs> I needed more verbals. But I followed your lead because uh, I like being a beginner when I'm being coached. All right. My next person is 
Tanya Bach, another Tokyo-based coach. And I think I used her after Sarah or before Sarah. And again, in a very similar vein to I'm good, I wanted somebody very practical, very straightforward and for very specific problems. So I had some problems in the business and I needed to talk them through with somebody who was Tokyo based, but who wasn't too involved in all the networks. And it was when I was first living down here, I think the pandemic had kicked in and things had got pretty hairy. There was a lot of stuff going on for my clients. There was a lot of stuff going on in the business. And I just needed some guidance. I really, really needed some good, straightforward, good to honest, non-spiritual guidance with um, somebody who understood the landscape of Tokyo, but wasn't plugged into it. And she was great. It was really good for me to kind of work through everything with her. And to... her killer line was that I was being codependent. <laughs> with with the people in Zushi like I really wanted to become part of the Zushi community and um I was being a little bit codependent about that apparently um but it was really um it was really good um straightforward practical um direct coaching and it was exactly what I needed at the time so thank you Tanya Bach I also wanted to try her out because I was running a two-year journey program at that time for one of the embassies, and I was really interested in bringing her into that program as uh, one of the coaches I was hiring in. And so I really wanted to make sure that um, she was good because <laughs> I had never worked with her before. I just knew her reputation was good. And so it was a kind of double whammy. I needed a coach and I wanted to work with her. And so... Uh, I was able to kind of um, try before a buy and yeah, she was great, but, but more, I, yes, that's right. I think it was, it was a bit of both of those two things. I needed somebody and I was going to hire it into the business as well, which I did for two years. Amazing. Next up is Elfarina Said and Elf from Elf Coaching. This is my love letter to you. Mwah, 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 mwah. Um, so Elf, Elf is a, a really amazing woman who is so present and so confident and really kind of unplugged from things, but also incredibly empathetic. She she comes highly recommended. So she's um, CTI. She's a CTI uh, leader. And she's also the person who holds the APAC license for organization relationship systems coaching with CRR Global, which is the people through whom I received my systems coaching qualification. All right. So she's brilliant. And I asked her for a recommendation for somebody to do some pair coaching with me and my husband, because during COVID, we were really, we really hit a rocky patch. He quit his job. Um, he was at home all the time. Um, it was more difficult to find a job quickly than he imagined it was. I wanted him to join the business, but he wasn't doing it in the way that I wanted him to do. I was kind of, I was really full. Like I had this two-year journey program on the go. I had a really full uh, complement of people in my one-year FNJ program. I had loads of coaching clients. Um, you know, it was going really, really well. And then I suddenly found myself want to, wanting to kind of earn two people's salaries and I was and our and our marriage was in serious trouble at that time. And I I don't mind saying that because I think that, you know, we've been together for 20 years and I think that it's 
it's natural that things should hit certain patches when one is going through transitions and when you're stuck in a pandemic together and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, when expectations aren't met on either side, I mean, it was me too, obviously. And so I said to Elf, can you recommend somebody to do pair coaching, couples coaching with me and my husband? And she, she offered to do it herself. And um, so uh, this is a love letter to Elf. She firstly sent out an amazing questionnaire, a really great questionnaire. And Keisuke shared his answers with me for the pre-questionnaire. So I shared my answers with him as well. I thought we were just going to do it independently, but he's very, very transparent. He's just very, there's no edge to him really. And so I got to see his answers so straight away. I got to learn a lot about what he was going through and what his fears were. And I got to see what my fears were. And she facilitated a really great um, journey into right relationship for us. Now, it wasn't perfect. And sometimes I think that systems coaches have a bias for trying to push people into right relationship or trying to push people towards positivity, sometimes a bit quickly and sometimes a bit obviously. And a lot of venting needed to happen during that time. On the other hand, I think she she realized certain things. So first one was she reminded us of the four toxins, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the John Gottman work. And that was kind of like the backbone of it all. So she recognized that the four horsemen of the apocalypse are blame and criticism, its best friend, defensiveness, um, stonewalling is when you shut down, and then the last refuge of a relationship, which is contempt. And I was in the contempt zone. And I think Keisuke was in the stonewalling and defensiveness zone. And it was really bad. And I think that she did a great job of kind of highlighting that to us. But one of the great things that the Gottmans noticed was to pick up on repair bids. So she was constantly, constantly, and this is one thing we do in systems coaching, we're constantly reading the nonverbal cues that are coming in. And so she would notice when Keisuke was kind of looking at me or when he was smiling and laughing, and she would really notice these bids or repair bids that we were making towards one another. And that just, you know, do you notice, I noticed that, I noticed that Keisuke is looking at you and, and smiling and, and watching you as you're speaking. And it feels like there's a lot of love in that. And that's a bid and that softens the emotional field. And then, you know, she might invite me to look at him or, but never push or never suggest. It's just like an invitation. And I might say, I don't want to. And then, she, you know, you'll note then that what's happening there is like the bids being rejected and then what the outcome of that is as well. And um, so it was really, that was really, really, really useful. But she also noted that like, you know, I went into this and I said, I'm just going to try not to be a coach and stuff like that. But I was very clear to say, like, I tend to bulldoze and talk a lot. And um, sometimes Keisuke, like, feels like he can't get a word in edgeways. So I need to really pull back. And she's like, why, though? Why? You know, it seems like you're trying to not be yourself. There was something. It wasn't exactly that. It was it was like, yeah, you're being self-aware, but also don't let your needs go unnoticed or unrecognized because you're trying to be noble in some way. And that just, oh my God, that makes me cry a little bit now, actually. That makes me feel a bit emotional now because 
it's in ignoring those needs that one comes to burnout. And if you listen to other episodes of the Creative Musings, you will know that I did get to burnout and it's a constant problem for, for me and maybe other strong women too. Uh, in inverted commas, I just did inverted commas on the video because it's like th this kind of self-awareness, but where does it go? You still need to tend to yourself and you still need to take care of your needs. And sometimes you don't know how to. I will talk about this <laughs> uh, when I talk about my final coach. <laughs> so yeah, Elf really helped me to understand that in trying to make space for my husband, I most certainly shouldn't neglect my own needs as well and allow the relationship and the third entity to take care of me. It was really useful. And the other thing was the octopus and the hedgehog. So she asked us to, you know, this is a a, a, a great um, systems coaching tool where you, you use the writing channel or the painting, the drawing channel, uh, not the verbal channel to draw a version of yourself and then put descriptive words on it and Kay drew himself as a wee hedgehog and sniffing around. Cute. It's cute. It's sniffing around. It's quiet, but it's spiky as well. Very spiky. It's like, oh my God, that's so insightful. He was so insightful. So charming. Oh my God, I'm going to say thank you to him in a minute for that. And I said, I'm more like an octopus. Like I love the sea, but I have uh, my arms in many different places and um, yeah, I'm kind of reaching out into lots of different networks, lots of different places and moving along. And I tend to kind of move along on my own with my arms out. I don't know. And he got really into my octopus teacher. Huh. All right. I'm going to let that be huge. And that was just so useful to understand that he was like this little hedgehog, but a bit spiky. And I was the, uh, the, 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 the octopus. <laughs> those two things shouldn't really meet that was brilliant so thank you Elfie this is my love letter to you and your coaching that really helped to enhance our marriage maybe not at that time so much but in the long term it really gave us some some stronger foundations from which to work physically mentally and spiritually together now um I also entered into about the same time something called coaching supervision. And so I want to give a shout out to my coaching supervisor, Elizabeth Okada. I tried out coaching supervision with somebody who who did some pro bono work for me, Michael McCoy. So shout out to Michael as well. Um, thank you for for letting me be one of your uh, guinea pig clients while you were while you were working working it all out, introducing me to the 7i method and asking me uh, who my difficult client reminded me of at the time. I didn't know or didn't want to say, but now I know who that was. And it was a difficult person that that difficult person reminded me of. Um, I could have been more skilled with the person. And I also should have seen a red flag with that person. They were clearly luring me into some kind of trap. Um, it's not nice when that happens at all, not at all. But I've kind of developed some skill around that now. Uh, I tend not to attract those kinds of clients who are going to try and pull you into a trap. And if I did, I would just allow that to be between us as well. But yeah, I I think 
sometimes it's a bit of a risk if if a client if if somebody wants to work with you because they are impressed by you um and want a bit of that i think it's really important for people to want to work with you because they think that you're going to be a good coaching partner with them all right so um so that was good that was actually now on reflection i really really appreciate thank you michael this is a little love letter to you for uh, making me realize that uh in this moment Elizabeth Alcada, you were my coaching supervisor for, I think I did two rounds with you. So over a year. And I was going through a very, very difficult time at that point. I was, uh, you know, still struggling with the end of my business, but I was starting to enter the menace storm at that point. I started to become sober. I had started to, um, I, or I'd started thinking about becoming sober. So obviously things weren't going well there. Um, the pandemic, although I'd always thought that I was doing all right in all of that because my business wasn't bad and it hadn't crashed and my, um, and I didn't have kids at home. So although kind of, you know, it was hard work for me having my husband at home all the time, I just kind of poo-pooed that I'm a strong woman. I shouldn't have to, I, you know, he's a great guy. We've got a good marriage. Why should it bother me? I just need to be more gracious or whatever it is. I was basically killing myself and I was on a one-way trip towards burnout. And um, Elizabeth was great because she did like coaching supervision with me where we're both on the side of the client. We're both trying to look at like difficult clients that I had, but also I asked her if she would just do some straightforward coaching with me as well if I called it in because I was struggling a bit with all of that stuff. I was just becoming pretty overwhelmed with everything. Um, and, and it was good. And she's such a sweet and gracious elder coach. Um, and, but very straightforward as well. Um, she called me in, out on going into victim mode sometimes, but I think sometimes you need, sometimes you are a victim of your circumstances. I always allow my clients that I won't let them pitch a tent but I will recognize when I, when things are a lot for them. Um, I used to call out victim stuff more, but I actually think it's a bit counterproductive now. Um, they can find their way into that themselves if they want to, but I find that not calling that out can sometimes be richly rewarding in the coaching, uh, in the coaching relationship and outcomes. It's good to it's good to name it as well. Um, so yeah, that was really good. And I but I I also think that coaching supervision wasn't the right thing for me at that time. It really wasn't because I was heading into burnout, I was heading into sobriety, I was heading into um the more dire symptoms of my perimenopause, which which really came to the fore in the last two years. And the last thing I needed was to be looking at coaching relationships that weren't working, right? Because it just became, it just became a stick, another stick for me to beat myself with. And, um, and I, I want to honor that, right? I really want to honor that for, for anybody, for you, for me. Um, and so I think you have to really know what it's like when I'm selecting the coaches at that time, I was really overwhelmed 
uh, you know, obviously things were going a bit awry with my, with my husband being at work all the time. And not only that, but I was sitting down every bloody month or whatever, or every other week and talking about what a shit coach I was. <laughs> that's, that's how my brain filtered it. It's not like that at all. We have to be accountable to somebody, right? We have to be accountable to somebody, but um, it just wasn't the right choice for me at that time. I should, I should probably just have been in coaching um, to just help me to get through that time, not to be in supervision. It was, it was not the right, uh, and she was brilliant. She was so sensitive and so kind to me and allowed me to really open up about a lot. And she brought insights, um, you know, from her, her point of view from into, you know, the difficulties that I was having at the same time as well. So Elizabeth Okada, this is my love letter to you. Thank you. <laughs> so speaking of sobriety, my next coach, I carefully, carefully selected, and it was one of the best choices and the best timing I've ever had. So it became evident to me that I would have to start to manage my drinking very carefully um, towards the end of 2022 or mid 2022, shall we say, let's just say all of 2022. Um, the pandemic was on. I was hanging out with loads of British people. British people love to drink and it was full on. It was a really full on thing. And I, started to realize and started to talking to friends in the UK as well and started to get them to help me to drink sensibly-ish when we were out together because I was blacking out more frequently and so on. And then in September of 2022, uh, one of my best friends, Angela, got married and I was her matron of honor along with two other friends. And oh, Sarah Jean Rosito and Laurie Henderson, both of whom I met at that 2008 career strategy seminar. <laughs> oh, magic. And um, yeah, she, I, I just realized then that I, I thought I'm going to need some help with this. I, I need to find my way out of this kind of drinking. Whatever's going on for me right now, it is not working. I cannot regulate. And it's, um, it's becoming a problem. So I Googled alcohol coach and I scrolled through lots and lots of kind of Christian virtuous stuff until I found this person in Australia and Aussie and UK, uh, Aussie and UK, British, uh, UK drinking culture is very, very similar. And it said like, are you a binge drinker? Is this you? Check, 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 check. And I checked every single box besides maybe one where I was like 0.5, every single box. And it said like four out of 10 of these and you probably have a problem. I, I did 9.5 out of 10. I was like, all right. I loved her vibe. She was a similar um, age to me. Her story sounded similar and she had options for binge drinking. And it just, she just sounded cool. Nothing virtuous, nothing religious. Uh, nothing like that. And I got in touch with her. And the day after my 10 year anniversary celebration party for my business in October, 2022, 
I had my first, I had my last drink and my first session with her when she asked me what my goals were, I said, I want to drink sensibly. Like I want to just, you know, stop at three and that's my goals here. My goal, my goal wasn't to stop drinking. My goal was to regulate because I couldn't regulate. And, um, you know, and I also made a very strong commitment to Kath. Kath Elliott is her name. She's the alcohol mindset coach based out of Australia. She's brilliant. She was also on my podcast, uh, episode two of this season seven. Very, very, very good podcast. Go listen. And um, she basically listened to me and I decided I was going to tell her the absolute truth. So she would just get these vast emails from me. I decided a bullet point of every single time that I was ever ashamed of my drinking. And it was just, she must have been scrolling for it. I hope she just sped, speed read it. I didn't care whether she read it or not. I just needed a safe place for to dump all this stuff out so that I wasn't holding all that shame myself. She's an alcohol coach, so she's trained to receive all this stuff, right? She's a pro. So she received all this stuff. And every time another one came into my head, I sent it to her. She's heard it all. She's seen it all. She's probably done half of it herself. And... um it was, I have to say, she was one of the best coaches I have ever had. All my coaches have been brilliant. And this is a love letter to everybody. But from this very specific point of view, I'd recommend her without reservation to anybody who is serious about getting hold of their drinking. So my key takeaways from her was, first of all, uh, maybe in my first session with her, after the initial kind of discovery call, I said to her, you know, okay, I'm going out. I'm going to a gala. I think I'm going to just have three glasses of wine with my dinner um, because it's a, it's a five-star hotel and I know they're going to have great wine. And she said to me, Sarah, can you just have three glasses of wine at a gala? And I went, no, I can't. <laughs> she said to me, everything you've described to me, if you keep drinking, it's not going to end well for you. It's not going to end well. And she was right. And so I went to that gala and I drank non-alcoholic beer all night. And that was my first kind of sober gala. That was a real eye-opener and it was okay. Then I did sober Christmas and I just was speaking to her every week at that point, just crying because so many emotions come up. And of course she knows that she's trained. She's been through it herself. So many emotions come up and every unfelt feeling and unthought thought that I had since I was 15 when I started drinking because of reasons. All the reasons came up. All the things I've been stuffing down came to the surface. Ongoing, by the way, on, I would love a drink sometimes because it just gives you such relief when you are mulling things over and ruminating and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just such a, it's such a great mood changer, but, if you can't regulate and you can't drink properly and well, um, and I'm not going to preach here, but I'm, I've read books. She she sent me three different books, and one of them was one called Alcohol Explained. It's kind of a layperson's guide to the science end of of uh, drinking and alcohol abuse, if you like, or alcohol misuse or alcohol sketchiness. <laughs> um, all drinking has has a cost, and the level at which I was doing it was was really bad. But um, yeah, this it, it was great until it wasn't. 
and I don't think it really ever was for me. It was always a tool of mass destruction, and the uh, the the functioning end of that destruction was that I had a lot of thoughts that weren't so weren't very good, and I still have and I have them now, and I still had them when I was drinking as well, but they just didn't get down to a certain depth, and I didn't have to sit with them, right? So they never really went away, but they didn't have to go down to a certain depth, and. I could just drink and then they'd be gone, but then I'd have a hangover the next day. The amount, the number of days of my life I've written off due to hangovers, the amount of things I didn't do or didn't enjoy properly. I don't really regret it that much. There's a few times when I did. I can remember my brother being quite upset with me once, you know, like I think it was New Year's Eve and he and, and I ended up hitting Jack Daniels and Diet Coke. And we, he and I did a show for our friends we did the whole of jesus christ superstar for them and they just looked absolutely punch drunk and then the next day i was just on the train i wasn't talking at all and he was like oh you're not really talking much are you and he looked a bit upset and i was like i've got the worst hangover and i know this isn't going to go away or get better until i wake up tomorrow morning and that those kinds of things i regret i regret like kind of touching other people's feelings for that and just feeling like I was going to die, like a death hangover, unreal. Um, yeah, so Kath took me through all of that. She told me everything was normal. Every single thing that I was feeling was normal. Raging at home in the family home, like the from when I was just feeling so, oh, every, every button was being pushed. All those 14, 13, 12-year-old, 15-year-old buttons, every button was being pushed. All those things that had been put down were coming up to the surface. And Kath just took me through that without any judgment whatsoever. I never felt the slightest bit of judgment. What I felt from her was discernment about me not drinking and about the fact that she could tell I was the kind of drinker who wouldn't just be able to have one or two. <laughs> no, there's just no way. Um, so... Kath Elliott, the alcohol mindset coach. This is my love letter to you. Amazing woman. And finally, Grace McIntyre. Grace McIntyre, this is my love letter to you. I have a delightful friend in, um, in the UK called Shauna. We went to school together. We went to university together. We remained friends ever since. I always stay with her when I go over there. We're part of the Catholic Mafia. And we are firm friends and kindred spirits. Um, she worked for one of the big corporates, became a manager in, I think, uh, market research. And then quit her job, uh, quit her full-time job in order to start her own business and have more flexible working hours when her kids were growing up. But she became a teacher, then a counsellor, a trained counsellor, qualified counsellor. And then she did a conversion course to become a coach counsellor. So there's this conversion course that you can do in the UK where you take your counselling qualification and you kind of add that coaching to that. So she's just got this incredibly rich uh, plate of skills. I wanted to work with her and quite rightly, she said no. <laughs> Too close. And I did. I mean, obviously, I knew that it was a bad idea because I thought, I don't really want her to know. I wanted I wanted to have a friend friendship conversations, not like coachy conversations. 
So uh, she recommended one of the people who'd been through the same course with her, who was a psychotherapist and an art therapist and a coach. And um, so I took her up. She's about 20 years younger than me. So really fresh, different eyes on things. Doesn't hasn't lived overseas to my knowledge. And so she just has this different approach, different lens on things. So it was brilliant. And she just recognizes things in me all the time. I asked her to bring her therapy smarts into the sessions as well, because the coaching is more expensive than the therapy sessions. So it's like, it's not like I'm taking the piss basically. So I asked her to fold some therapy into it as well, because that's where I was feeling at the time. I was feeling like I wanted somebody who had that, you know, the two wings of therapy and coaching at the same time, because I was in the hot steaming shitstorm eye of the menace storm. So once I finished up with Kath Elliott, the alcohol coach, I then wanted some coaching slash therapy. I didn't want to see a therapist. I didn't want to see just a coach. And so she was perfect. And she just had some incredible insights for me. Really great insights. Like she subtly picked up on uh, my inability to say, or my reluctance or something to say no. And it was so subtle, like that I didn't, I didn't see it myself and it took me a little while for the penny to drop. And then we were able to kind of build out from there. Um, there was other things. Oh, she asked me the question, like, what would it look like to care for yourself? Like, you know, obviously I told her where I was in life and how hard things were. So I think this must have been from April through October. I was working with Grace and how... I just felt things were spinning out of control. And it was at the same time that I was getting all my diagnoses that led to surgery at Christmas. So she was kind of basically dealing with this wildly insane perimenopausal woman. But she was also really useful because she could see the kind of therapy stuff coming up to the to the fore. She understood ADHD. She understood CPTSD. She understood kind of some of the background noise that was going on. She also had, she must've been researching in between about menopause because she was bringing quite a lot to the table from the psychotherapeutic and uh, kind of more, um, yeah, from her background, from the counseling background and also from the coaching background that she had had as well. She was bringing some really nice insights to the table there about self-care. And she said to me, Sarah, what would it look like to really care for yourself? And I had no answer for her. And that is insightful in itself right? So you don't have to have answers in coaching. The awareness is brought out onto the table. And I was like, I don't know. I literally don't know. I don't know. And I still am not sure, honestly. I just don't know. Um, and so that was just, she just had some amazing insights for me, really I could see her having insights and I would talk and talk and talk and talk. And then I'd say, I, I want to stop and let you say something. And then she'd just say so many killer things. That I can't really remember now because they got lost in the ether of my new style of memory, which is basically running on about a 10 second, uh, <laughs> 10 second sustenance. Um, yeah. Even words I can't, I can't uh, find as I'm speaking. But she brought, so many insights. I will work with her again because basically I stopped working with her for the very simple reason was that I wanted to get an ADHD diagnosis. So I always have to do a cost benefits analysis. So what, what am I investing and where am I investing it? And can I do it all at once? And so I decided I was going to get my ADHD diagnosis and then take that from there and maybe find something more focused in that area for what 
actually happened was I got diagnosed with severe anemia and all the stuff that led up to my surgery over Christmas. And instead, my my uh, focus went that direction instead of getting my anemia under control, of getting my physical symptoms under control and ultimately having a hysterectomy in December. So right now I can feel myself like lying in bed and think about who do I want to coach with? Um, do I want it to be this person? Do I want it to be that person? What style of coaching do I want to be in? And it's, it's it's an interesting conversation that I'm having with myself or do I just keep kind of sitting with myself as I get used to this new kind of version of myself it's only six weeks since I had the surgery so I have to kind of get used to this uh new cycle that I'm on and and decide what kind of coaching that I want and just kind of get used to oh, okay so this is what's happening for me now this is what's happening for me now uh, you know I've had a couple of pretty tough kind of mental health days these last couple of days it's like oh this is interesting what's this this is new I'm sober I'm uh you know uh my ADHD was popping off excuse me really hard today really hard I I had three false starts on this call on this recording three false starts because I just went off on tangents really bad tangents so um that's that's that and so this is my love letter to all the coaches that I've ever had to coaching itself to all these incredible people who kind of ushered me through coaching um, oh, I forgot somebody, Nate, James Napolsing. I entered into a kind of three session coaching exchange with him when he was starting his coaching journey. And I took from him, what I took from him was he asked me to take a look at a book on his shelf and pick a page that was interesting to me. And it was Jean-Michel Basquiat. And uh, it was a picture of him with Andy Warhol. And it was a kind of... The, the Andy Warhol thing really spoke to me at that time, not now, but at that time, the Andy Warhol thing really spoke to me. I think I was still drinking back then. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I can remember going out drinking with him and stuff. So, um, and I was still kind of in the mood for like gathering people together and being that kind of creative collaborator and pulling everything together. Little did I know over the next two years that would kind of collapse. And when I say collapse, I don't mean in a terrible way just in a I mean it is a terrible way as well but um that's a different version of me it may come back in the future but I have no kind of wish or will to really start anything uh, like that right now so thanks to James and for reminding me the power of just using images and of using a kind of intuition with pictures or cards or I love a card set you know card decks um, I actually pulled a card today from a animal sp animal spirit guidebook, and the animal that what I pulled it's not just animals was oyster, and so I have an oyster shell with me here that I pulled off from one of my favourite beaches near here, Akia Beach, and I have the oyster here to just uh, remind me. 
that I'm a patient secret keeper hiding inner treasures. Well, today I'm bringing these inner treasures out and the treasure that I'm honoring today is the treasure that each of my coaches has brought to the table. So I want to thank again and good Catherine North, all Martha Beck coaches, Max Daniels, Alicia Broder, Sarah Seidelman, Alpharina Zaid, Tanya Bach, James Napolsing, Elizabeth Okada, Michael McCoy, Grace McIntyre and Kath Elliott. Thank you very much for supporting me um, along the way. I am in a bit of a, a strange place now, but I think coaching is about to start again for me or self-coaching. I'm doing some self-coaching as well. And I'm also available to coach you because, you know, you don't have to be fully together in order to coach properly. If you're not fully together, you need to be very, very self-aware and very skilled in not projecting and understanding when you are kind of plugging into other people's stuff. And I really love having that skill to do that now. Um, I've, co uh, you know, it's just, it, it's a very professional collaboration that you enter into when you're coaching. But by being so frank about the reasons I get coached and what I've been through and stuff like that, you can understand the kind of experience and experiences that I bring to the table and the kind of credibility that I've garnered by being coached by so many different people, but also by really, really honoring my skills, the lineages that I've come through. And that's what I feel I'm part of all these lineages that have been uh, downloaded to me. And uh, and when I say lineages, I mean coaching and teaching lineages. So, you know, the, the Martha Beck and the systems coaching and the lineages that their materials have come from, the lineages that their materials before them have come from. And, um, and also that I bring that to the table now and people are carrying on in the lineages that have gone through my coaching programs or through my coaching too. Um, I'm very frank and open. And I want to give a little, little love letter to myself as a coach as well. And what I bring to the table and the kind of humility that I bring to my coaching, because I have been through a really hard time and I am somebody who's full of joy and happiness on the daily basis. And I have constructed many lives that I've been very proud of. And I do have many, many loving and supportive friends. And I and I do recognize that and the difficulties of life being a good coach does not mean you've got it all sussed out. It means that you understand that people are constantly on spirals and everybody's on different spirals and you're not there for, to fix them. Sometimes you're there to elevate them even further, further, level up, level up, level up and more joy, more delight, more deliciousness. And sometimes you are just helping people to just keep their heads slightly above the waterline. Or if they're below the waterline, you're offering them some kind of scuba gear or a straw or something like that to, to breathe through. Or you're help telling them, oh, just grab onto that thing on the side. Or can you swim? Are you sure you can't swim? Let me teach you how to swim. You can swim. <laughs> oh, my God, you, you're you're uh, your foot's caught on on a weed. Let me come down and cut it for you. <laughs> you know, Um it's really important to know what to do and when. And 
having been through and around many spirals and having to question a lot of the kind of things that I held true and uh, things that might have been a bit ableist, actually, because, you you know, you don't know everybody's situation. And I am super proud of what I bring to the table, what all my coaches bring to the table. And this has been a love letter to coaching. Thank you so much for listening to this creative musing. I love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to these creative musings and stories of reinvention. And if it's guests week, big love and gratitude to our guests. Go follow them everywhere. Shout out to Laura Marashima for her podcast management and support. I would love if you would follow and subscribe this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and share with a friend you think would love or benefit from it. You can also find me at Sarah Brewer Creative on Facebook and Instagram and get on my occasional, very occasional newsletter list at sarahbrewer.com. I just love that you're here and I'll catch you the next time on the Legends Podcast. Rise like a phoenix, baby. And don't forget to take other people with you. Bye.